we should do the Netflix thing where we keep adjusting everything, you know, like you just finish up the last few seconds of setting up before you go live, like the interview, you know, you're fixing the microphone and are we good? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Let's start with a clip. Oh, oh, I was so happy when you sent me this. Oh my Lord. <laughs> this reminds me of like, for those that are listening and don't get to see this clip, this is um, a carnival worker who is trying to ride on one of those, uh, I, I guess it's like the zipper, the thing that goes, you know, it's like long and it spins around. So one, you know, it's like a, it's like a, like a stick that spins around and he rides on it trying to pretend as though he knows this and he is one with the machine and he falls and hits the upcoming second side of it. So yeah, looks super, super great. And I'm sure he was fine and didn't break anything for, for anybody that hasn't gathered this yet. I am definitely the old man of the podcast <laughs> and I am still gr coming to gra like grips with the fact that I need to figure out how to use Instagram. Cause I, I don't ever use it. And I was fumbling around the other day and I stumbled across a whole bunch of funny videos. So I started to send this stuff to everybody and that was one of them. For a first clip, I have to say bravo. It was a <laughs> A plus. So that's, that is my kind of shit. Uh, um, there was something I wanted to talk about here first. I said we'd, we'd start with this. What was it? It wasn't 32 oh, teams. Oh, that's no, what was you said you were going to start first. Something that you just said right before we started. And I was like, I want to talk about that first. Uh... Well, it was the third oh, teams. We have Hildeby. We have. Uh, oh, you know what? No, Frozen I want to start final. with. I want to start with carnival stuff. Actually, it was just the the clip. <laughs> so, <laughs> have you ever seen this where like the guys working the games are acting like you know they do this all the time because obviously they do, but like they try to jump on the things like while they're moving around and ride them. I've have only seen, seen it with like the like the strawberries. Oh yeah. That's pretty much the only time I've seen anything like that. For the most part, carnies, whenever they're in our area, it's just they're barely even paying attention. They're probably not sober. And you start questioning when the ride's about to start, whether or not it's safe to be even be on. Yeah, so that was a couple. You just wrapped up a couple <laughs> things I wanted to touch on. But um, <laughs> I, I've seen a few times these guys like jump on the things as they're slowing down and like ride it to the other side of where the ride is, which is, you know, a little little sketchy to watch but there's clips i've seen of you know the himalaya the one that's like it oh goes, it's, you sit it's on like a little, little car yeah yeah it goes in like a, a loop up a little tiny ramp and then down it and then it goes backwards and there's the uh clips of these guys that can jump on it like at the the exact moment that it stops and starts going the other way they'll just like step onto it like it's nothing and they're just all nonchalant about it and then the thing speeds up so quick like i don't know how these guys don't fall off but clearly as shown by this clip, which I'm going to watch again. Oh, jeez. <laughs> nah, he's fine. <laughs> so I don't, um, it, it doesn't always go well. I remember, so I went to high school in Paris, Ontario, and they it was a big deal whenever the Paris Fair got a new ride. And they got a new ride called the Chaos. Ooh, don't know this which, one. So basically it starts on the ground and it's a big circle, like a big wheel, basically like a Ferris wheel, but horizontal. And all the seats are 
around the outside of it and you sit in it facing outward and then it starts to spin around and then the wheel stands up. So then you're spinning Whoa. around it facing outwards and those seats all spin individually too. Like it's, I couldn't ride it now. I would, I would die. Um, but uh, the very first time we go to get on it, me and my buddy Ian, we get in and buddy comes around and he's not paying attention to what he's doing. He gives the click on all the, the harnesses and he does that. And Ian and I are we're all pumped, right? You know, teenage boys riding a ride for the first time. And then I go to shift to kind of like, you know, give him the tap. Like, yeah, this is going to be awesome. And my harness thing pops up. Oh my God. <laughs> that is nightmare fuel. Right. So instantly we're both panicking and we both grab it and, and it, it clicks. But then like the, some stranger beside me to my left, I have no idea who it was. I loop my arm in through theirs and then my arm in through my buddy Ian's too. So like we couldn't, oh we couldn't God. spin, but I was like, I'm going to die. Oh my God. But, yeah. That's my carnival <sighs> horror story. So one thing I noticed this last fall fair season was uh, when I was looking at the schedules for all of the ones in the greater Ottawa area, which is all basically farm town. Um, they all are a week apart and that's because it's the same rides that go around everywhere. It's like rib fest, you know, everybody, it's just like towns sign up for the tour and, uh, crazy it's more successful than most artist tours across canada um the weird thing is that i've never heard of this ride when it would be the same rides going around to each one of these things like oh, never you've never heard this. of the chaos no maybe i just missed it the uh the biggest eye-opener was uh besides that was once i was old enough to know what i was smelling walking around trucks where they're <laughs> unloading everything it's like Okay, looking at these rides and thinking how quickly they set them up and tear them down is sketchy enough. Knowing that the guys are doing it just fucking blasted is another thing. <laughs> That's like I don't know how more accidents don't happen at these things. So I'm I'm sending you a picture in our group of of what of of a version what a version of it looks like. Okay, this is here. a this looks like an updated version from the one that we would have been riding the chaos <clears throat> carnival ride. Oh, it's like a wheel thing with, is it the one with the arms or the one with the wheel that spins? It's a wheel, the wheel. Okay. So I'm going to, how do I make this just the image? Oh my God. Pinterest is the, I hate when anything Pinterest comes up on Google images. It's like, no, I want to actually be able to open the link. Thanks. Just screenshot uh, it. Here, now I got one. Open image in new tab. There we go. So share screen this thing. This is it, right? <laughs> yes, that's I think I think that's a, a different version because I swore the one that we had, it was a giant wheel that spun. Actually, no, that one would spin. Anyways, it's it's some version of that. Dude, you were on this and it didn't lock in? That's horrifying. Yeah. Oh my lord. <laughs> yeah, it was it was terrifying. Like Jeez. it did when we pulled down on it, it did lock in. So it's not like we went through the ride without it, but when he pushed on it, it didn't. So if we didn't like if I didn't find that out, it could have been very bad. Holy moly. You know what else was a carnival? The uh, Leafs game tonight. Let's get into it. 
Hi, this is Mike Ross, public address announcer for your Toronto Maple Leafs, and this is the Leafs Late Night Podcast, your post-game destination. And now, your starting lineup, Roscoe, the Fanalist, Southey, Beaner, and Darty Brodeur on the Leafs Late Night Podcast. Alrighty, welcome back to Leafs Late Night, where it's never too late for the Leafs presented by Inside the Rink. I'm your host, Roscoe, joined by National Beanographic, the Galaxy Bean Beaner himself. We gotta get you a new tag for that. <laughs> Which one do you like better? Or we can come up with some new ones. Uh, I don't know. Put it out to the listeners. Get them to come up with something. Those would make good shirts, like a National Beanographic shirt. Like it's the National Nat Geo <laughs> logo, but like you with a bunch of like stats and courses and stuff it's like flying nice around. Nice shirt off with a loincloth. <laughs> there's so, there's some opportunities there for like that and, and a, a darty broder uh, set of shades that match or his. a lighter yeah oh a darty broder lighter that'd be dope i'm gonna ask if we can do that okay so leafs take on the bottom feeders montreal Canadiens. it is less like garbage time and more like compost time where the bottom feeders are starting to decompose and it's just, you know, they're they're mailing it in at this point. I mean, I know Montreal's been bad, but like 7-1, guys, come on. I'm just glad that the Leafs finally got one of these games, you know, where it's like, let's just have fun and keep scoring. Because <laughs> I feel like we haven't had enough of those this year. Oh, As, and, you know, and being we, didn't a top just team. Get, we didn't just get destroyed by a bottom feeder? Yeah, that's that too. <laughs> So um, a couple things to to cover tonight. I mean, we can talk, we can go period by period, but I don't really remember what happened in the first or second. Not like I don't remember what happened, but I don't know which things happened in the first or second based on my notes. Sorry. Uh, so the first period, we have um, the Leafs opening the scoring on the power play. I thought the power play sucked, Justin. What's going on? Like you said, garbage time, compost time. Um and I think I brought it up last time I was on. We, the Leafs tend to be very, very streaky when it comes to their power play. Over the course of the season, it equals out, and the numbers aren't bad. But they'll go a stretch, multiple games, where they get nothing, and it looks like it's you and me out there. And then they'll, <laughs> go, they'll go through games where they'll score in the first 10 seconds, and it's done and over with. It's just, it's hit and miss, and... Yeah, well, got to got to work yeah. your way through it. Yeah, and I mean tonight, scoring on four of six power plays—that's uh, that's the way to even out the numbers, eh? Oh yeah. <laughs> After going, what was it? Over three or four in the last game? Weren't they over eight at one point over the last little while? Over the last few games, yeah, I think they've been over more than that, even like eleven or something. But uh, th- yeah, this is how you fix the the percentage. <laughs> so that, um, and, and the, like that's what I mean. Shot. So, sorry, that's what I mean. Like it, it equals out over the course of the season, right? So at any given point in time, your area of focus it could be either really good or really bad. Yeah, and I mean I don't think they've looked awful. They just haven't been able to find like a decent scoring chance. Like they're still able to maintain the puck, which is nice because you're not giving up shorthanded goals usually. Um, but, uh, yeah, so Gustafson with a nice little spinorama at center ice manages to set up Matthews and Marner who hand it back and forth Marner with a nice shot to finish it right up the middle with his, uh, 29th of the season, 
29 goals up into there for Mitch Marner. So uh, he's looking great. That makes it 97 points, I believe, on the night for him at that point. And then uh, another penalty here coming to uh, which one was this? Let me just check these. Oh, yeah, there was uh, Evans, Baron, Weidman, Pizzetta. They took a bunch of penalties in the first period. But uh, one of them was the uh, the fight there with Pizzetta and Simmons. <laughs> Simmons was busy tonight. Yeah. Do you, anyway. From the sounds of it, this is kind of his swan song, right? Yeah, probably. And I mean, he might as well go down doing what he does best. Um, John Tavares picking up the second power play goal there. Marner with... I said on Twitter, man, breaking out the fine china for this saucer, like just manages to chip it over whoever's leg that was on defense that and gets it right to uh, perfect, right to JT. Like, oh, so few people can make that pass. He just makes it like it's nothing. JT with his 34th on the season. So uh, Marner just creeping up on 30. JT with 34. Nylander about to pick up his 38th. So it's it's nice to have the goals spread out instead of Matthews just uh, carrying a team on his back, you know? Yeah, it's good to see a handful of players have points, not just three. Yeah. Not, not trying to single out any certain team or anything, but... <laughs> I have no idea what you're talking about. Why are you so pissy? Okay, so uh, like I said, the fight there with uh, Simmons, he was busy tonight. It would not be his last. Yeah, uh, this is probably going to be his last season, I'd assume. Um, I mean, he's only on a one-year deal with the Leafs. I don't see them handing him another year with how many guys are up. They need the cap space, and I don't see them using it on him. Another team might give him a PTO, but I think that's more what you're looking at. I think at this point... I don't even know if it might be a Spezza thing, right? He might not even be interested in playing for anybody else. He's had a chance to come home, play a couple seasons in the blue and white. You know, he, he's got a little bit left, but he's not an everyday NHL player anymore. Let him, let him go out on top. He got to play for his blue and white. Maybe, maybe something great can happen in the playoffs. And the, the roster spots too valuable for someone, unfortunately, excuse me like that anymore. Yeah, and if he wants to work for the team, I say give him the job. Like, there's always space for ex players on the Leafs roster. They've got, uh, or on the roster on their their coaching staff and whatnot. They got so much money they can just keep them around for just a gesture. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, so da, 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 da. oh yeah, we wanted to talk about the 32 games tonight or 32 teams playing tonight. 16 games. Sorry. I meant to come back to that. So um, what do you think of this? How do you feel about having all the teams playing at once? Not at once, but over the course of the day. Honestly, I'm disappointed it doesn't happen more. Really? With how crazy the NHL schedule and the NHL season is, just by having, say, three of these nights a year, you could eliminate a lot of BS, a lot of, teams playing like five games in a week, you know, or crazy travel, like just it's a lot in one day, but you made these programs recently, the last couple of years, you have a hockey day in Canada, you have a hockey day in the U S both those days have games all day. Right. It, 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 
in my opinion, with how condensed the schedule already is, because everybody's complaining that not everybody, but some of the old school people are complaining that with the week off in and around the all-star break, it messes the schedule up too much. That's why players are getting hurt, yada, yada, yada. Don't space, like, schedule better and have a couple of these days, and you can give uh, teams an extra off day here or there. So I understand having games throughout the day, but having all 16 teams play on one day, I think is a little nutso. I, 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 yet again, I love it. Like maybe have, I don't know, four of them a year. First day of the season, last day of the season, Hockey Day in Canada, Hockey Day in the States. Fair. Um, I just think it's such a nightmare for fantasy. It's a nightmare for broadcasters. You're never going to be able to follow all of these for people that have to do, you know, highlights and all that. Like anybody who's working in the industry, probably not a fan of this. Um, I don't know what it means for fans. Cause I, I mean, I said this on Instagram and people tended to agree with me in the, the comment section. Um, you can't even watch most of these games. Like, if you're out of market, a lot of these are blacked out. So this whole idea of having all these games in one day so people can watch them, it's like most people can't anyway. I, I just think it it makes too much, to me it makes too much sense not to, but I'm not an NHL scheduler, so maybe I'm just completely loopy here. Well, well <laughs> how does it save these back-to-backs or like where the Leafs played Columbus, you know, twice in three games or something like, or where they went back-to-back two games against them home and away. Well, they just, they keep talking about this grueling schedule, but then you have like the Leafs. It felt like the last month and a half, the Leafs had random dead spots in their schedule. Yeah. And then they played four games this week. Yeah. So you can even it out a little better by having a couple days like this. But you know, how does that even it out? Because it's still only like you're not playing more than one game, right? Like you're still just playing the one game. But I think they sometimes try to focus on not having, basically not having days like this because we've never seen one like this. And they sometimes, I think sometimes they get in their their own way a little bit. Yeah. You could, you I mean, just, I, I get it for, for Easter weekend, like, if you're going to do, you know, I don't know, do some afternoon games on Sunday and do like half of the games happen on Saturday and then half of the games happen Sunday or something. You can like, there's already teams in the league who do play a handful of early games or matinee games, whatever you want to call them, sit down and schedule it out properly. And you can have basically an entire day of hockey where there's multiple games going on all day there's two games tomorrow mm-hmm. bruins flyers avalanche ducks like that's what i mean like why are there two games tomorrow when again everybody's going to be at home with family and you know the nba does it they do christmas games like you can do an easter sunday game oh yeah and there's i mean clearly because there's two of them so i don't understand why you pack all these games and then four of those teams have to play back to back still i i think it could make for great great theater and and just really go for it like last day of the season if there's multiple imagine that the drama if there was multiple teams that you know it's coming down to that last game not only uh, what they do but what some of their divisional opponents do in their last games and you could 
turn around and have all those games going on at the same time, I think it would be, or at least in the yeah. same day, not necessarily the same time. Today it was interesting <clears throat> because of all of the wildcard races going on. I mean, I was looking, there's, it's crazy that between the East and West, it's, uh, I think for eighth, seventh and eighth is 89, 89, and then 88 to ninth place. And then in the West from eighth, ninth and 10th is 89, 89, 88 points. Like they, they have exactly the same points in their races. It's nuts. Yeah. I, it, Crazy. Uh, yet again, I could be completely wrong. And someone, if someone has a better way to, to break it down to me and explain it, then by all means. But I think it could, could be beneficial if used properly. I think there's, there's some pros and cons to it for sure. Anywho, back to the game. Sorry to distract. I just, I wanted to touch <laughs> on that and wanted to do it before the game and I forgot. Um, so I don't remember if this was in the first or second. I think it might have been the first period. Um, but I know you missed the uh, beginning of the game. David Kampf went for a Michigan. <laughs> no way. Yeah. So <laughs> I got to give him kudos for, uh, all for the trying. People. I know of all the people. It was that getting chosen for that penalty shot really uh, gave him some cojones. So like, honest to God, there's two people on this team that I would expect to, that I would think, like pick after him to try this. So he would be the third last player on this team that I would think would try this. Who are the other two? Geo and Shen. Shen. Fair. <laughs> so camps behind the net and you see him like bend the stick down and it's this like collective. Oh my God, he's going to do it. Like he had the opening too, but um, I got to give it to Michael Matheson is really good. I picked him up in fantasy, but I haven't actually watched him play. Um, he was probably the only person doing anything on this team tonight. So he noticed it and was like, no, no, no. Montembeau was totally unaware that this was coming and it, it would have gone in if not for Matheson. And so he, uh, as Camp's stick was coming up, he had the, the shift and everything. It was like his stick was upside down with the puck on it and Matheson shoved them out of the way. It was like, don't, don't even try. Can you imagine with the handful of times that Matthews has been back there and has kind of contemplated attempting it if Camp was the first leaf to do it? He was wide open. Like he saw an opportunity. He's like, whatever. It's Montreal. This game means nothing. And we're already winning. I'm going to go for it. By the way, this could up. have been when it was, this could have been in the second when it was like four, one and not two, nothing. But I th I'm pretty sure it was in the first period. Heads up. Kinnipiak has tied it. Frozen four final is two, two heading into overtime. Oh boy. Oh boy. Craziness. We got to get to that later because we've got some Matthew Nyes related questions. So um, on to the second period, we had some weird goals. So Kovacevic of uh, the Montreal Canadiens, who I have never heard of, um, <laughs> takes, <laughs> takes a shot uh, for his third goal of the season. And it bounces right out like immediately. It was one of those that went in and came right out and everyone went, what, did that go in? And they were cheering. So obviously it must have and upon replay it did so it's two to one which makes this game seem a lot closer than it was because the shots at this point were like 18 to 5 so um this was it was reminding me of watching the 67s and generals game which we'll get to later stuff suck my dick um <laughs> and uh <laughs> or the, so, the marley's utica game the other night when hildeby made his first appearance but we can talk yeah, about that later too. We can do that too. Um, but just 
making the Montreal Canadiens look like uh, a team that's trying to come in last place, we'll say. So this one goal just kind of seemed like a fluke more than uh, them starting to come back. And uh, alas, that's all it was. As we move on, William Nylander gets a very, very, very strange goal as it chips off of, um, I don't, don't remember who it was in front of him, defenseman, and bounces up and hits Montembeau in the head. Or did Nylander chip this? I think like, his stick got in front of the skate. Okay. So um, Nylander deflecting it up. But, but still, to, it, Montembeau's to me, is head. It, isn't this the most, like, Nylander, you know, take that, take this and shove it to Keefe ever? Like, it's not a hardworking drive to the net, dig it out of the boards, come out and score. It's a, yep, I see an opportunity. I'm going to coast out front. Just going to kind of angle my stick here. Tip and done. Like for Keith's yeah, comments over the last little while of Nylander, right? It's like when you don't study for a test and, you know, you just kind of luck into an A on it and you're like, hey, look. And your parents are like, oh, my God, we've been telling you to study. <laughs> you still did it anyway. Um, so another thing that you uh, must have missed in the first two periods, Ilya Samsonov made a save and uh, did not look good coming back up from it. So uh, somebody from Montreal wrapping around and he throws his leg to the far left post and he goes down and puts his head down and kind of does like a, oh my God, that hurt. And everybody just kind of went quiet and then immediately pulled their phones out and were like, holy fuck, please no. Oh, I Uh, saw Twitter blow up over this. Yeah, so really scary. Now, obviously... Matt Murray was not on the bench tonight, as was rumored, uh, to my surprise, because we talked about on the last show how we were probably not going to see him uh, back anytime soon because of a conky, but uh, seems like he's closer than we assumed. Uh, but not tonight, as the Leafs sign Jet Alexander, who what made his first appearance in 2021 against the Colorado Avalanche on the bench as the University of Toronto's e-bug for the Leafs. And uh, tonight gets a PTO just to be there. So uh, this is where things got a little interesting. Everyone having the conversation of, should we leave Sammy in and potentially make this worse? And, you know, do we throw Jet Alexander in in the second period? Like, I, so what do we do here? It. This could be me reading into things too much, me seeing things where there's nothing. Um, But multiple times this season, I've said in our group chat, like, oh, you know, Sammy looks like he's favoring something there after that save. And then he goes goes on to be fine, plays the rest of the game, plays multiple games afterwards, and like nothing ever comes of it. So I'm in no way, shape, or... I'll say it every single time I bring up the fact that I've played net. I'm in no way, shape, or form a professional athlete. I am not to the level of these guys in any way, shape, or form. But there are times when you go to stretch and make a save and you'll feel something. A tweak, a pop, something. And it scares the crap out of you because you think, crap, like something bad just happened. And then you don't want to move because you're nervous and you never get any pain from it. It never hurts the rest of that game. It doesn't hurt after the game. doesn't hurt the next day. It's just almost like your body, like, hey, maybe don't do that next time, right? Giving you a warning. So, it, so it, he went, he skated <laughs> over to the uh, the trainer and did one of these, like a, with his hand up, just covering. 
with his blocker. And that was kind of it. He, he stalled for a bit. The refs checked on him and he went back in. So he was fine. So maybe it was that he just kind of heard. Like I've had that where you, you go to pick something up and your leg pops and you're like, oh my God. Okay, no, I'm good. That was just yeah. a really big crack. Or, you know, maybe he stretched and, you know, maybe a little bit came out. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe he's like, I, I'm, I'm good. But like, no, he would have gone to the bench to clean up for that. Yeah, he he's not Luongo. Um, so, <laughs> no, like I don't know. Fucking stretch weird and some. I I get it. We've seen a lot over the last little while with like Colorado's had nothing but goaltending issues over the last couple of years. You saw Carolina the one year, everyone was hurt. You, um, like Freddie's never been really fully healthy. I don't think for us in the past, like there's been a lot of goaltending issues over the last handful of years in the playoffs for many teams. So I think everybody's getting a little nervous. Yeah. I mean, with Murray already down and we signed a university of Toronto goalie to a PTO today, the last thing you want to see is uh Samsonov go down too. So luckily he seemed to be fine and he held on. And uh, I mean, at a, it was a good test too because the Canadians kind of picked things up in the second half of the game. Because this was the weird thing: the Leafs were on pace for like sixty shots halfway through the second period. Like they had already hit thirty-two shots by I think there was like eight and a half minutes left in the second when I noticed that. And then from then on, they were like, "Eh, let's just sit on this for a bit," which I get. Like you don't need to run away with this game, but you know, I think a lot of that is noticeable. score effect. Yeah, but they did have 77 shot attempts, so or more by the end. But that that's the that's really the style of game that the Canadians are playing right now. Like look at the Carolina and Montreal game the other night. What was it last Saturday or last Sunday? Which one? Carolina had something ridiculous like 58 shots or something crazy. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Um so I, that's the point there to the season, right? We have these teams. Look at Columbus. We mentioned last time, or last podcast, that they wouldn't even be able to technically field that roster that they had that night in a preseason game for competitive reasons. Yeah. Like, how wild is that to say? Awful. Uh, just looking at the stats here, Canadians with 16 giveaways to the Leafs three. Yeah, that's that's about how the night went. <laughs> <laughs> Every time the Canadians tried to get it over the blue line, it was like, nah, thank you. No, no, that's not going anywhere. So just on top of the the seven goals, the defense was so good tonight. Like nothing was getting past them. I know yeah. it's Montreal, but they've been sneaky a couple games and catching people, especially near the end of the season here. So shout out to Money Puck. I, I go to them a lot for fancy stats. I, f- I find the way they do their website very very easy to read and they've got a lot of a good information for people that kind of like digging digging into things a little bit deeper so after every game they do a, a whole full page with different graphs and stuff on it and the one is um like a, a chart it's got a line in the center zero to 100 percent, and then they show the expected goals percentage for each player individually at five on five there was only two leafs that were below 80 percent tonight whoa who? I've never seen this big of a, a separation between the two teams. Lafferty and Aston Reese. 
Holy shit. And both of them were still above every single Montreal Canadian. <laughs> <laughs> so that that is the type of game that it was. Um, real quick, I think we actually had a question on the uh, uh, Alexander Samsonov thing. I just want to go to Discord oh. really quick. Um, but, 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 but never mind. I think it was on. Never mind. We'll go on. I'll come back to the Twitter. I think it was a Twitter one. We'll do it later. Uh, so moving on to the third period, we had John Tavares with another power play goal. The third one of the night for this supposedly shitty power play. I love it. So this one went to review because uh, O'Reilly made a pass while in front of Montembeau, but uh, he was in the crease. So this was a bit of a debate on the play-by-play and commentators and everybody was chatting about this. So O'Reilly gets pushed down while he's already in the crease, then makes the pass to Tavares who scores. What do you think of this one? Because I, there was some, there was some back and forth on this. Nobody's really sure. The way I see it, they got the call right for the wrong reason. (laughs) So, Yes, O'Reilly took himself into the crease. He did make contact with the goalie. No, in my opinion, it was not the the Habs player's fault that O'Reilly went down. But it didn't get scored right when he went down. Montembeau was able to... So when O'Reilly went down, Montembeau slid into the net. He was able to get back to the goal line, set up in the butterfly position and had time to look around, including looking at the puck before it was backhanded into the net. That's along the lines of what I was thinking, because what I saw was Montembeau let that in because he was looking for a call for like two and a half seconds. Like, he was set up and kept looking over at the ref like, are you going to do something? Play to the whistle, boys. Come on, that's that's not professional, man. You got to just play until you hear it. Yep. There was one call, actually, since we're talking about these. I think it was the Nashville-Winnipeg game. Did you see this one that they they called a goal, even though it was... So Wes McCauley lost track of it, or they they called the goal back. Wes McCauley lost track of it, so he waved the the play dead, but I think it was Shifley, like, jammed the puck in underneath Soros. And it was very similar to what happened with the Leafs, where the play was waved dead, but they were already, like, in the midst of... You know, scoring. If if it was underneath Saros, though, it's tough to say because it's not a continuation of the play, right? It came out, though. It was, yeah, so we'll have to, you'll have to watch it and we can talk about it maybe next time. But yeah, I I felt like it was very similar and the opposite call. So it was going to, it's just, it's so hard to keep track of these, uh, you know, minutiae of the rules. Okay, so Austin Matthews picking up his 39th of the year, so far unassisted, should be Marner's 99th point of the year because he made a pass that went uh, off of a Montreal player's skate, which was already going to Matthews anyway, so this should really be his assist, and uh, word on the street is they're going to contest this one, so I think he's going to get his 99th. Yeah, I know this is a Leafs podcast, so I know we all want this to be his 99th, but any other situation in the league, you would see something like this. And 98.9% of the time, this counts as an assist. He didn't like that. Wouldn't that play would not count to blow 
uh, the play down for a penalty. No, exactly. Like that kick Which? would not stop <laughs> anything else. That's not a change of possession any other time. So no. I don't know why whoever was salty against the Leafs there didn't want to give it to him. Um, anything else here uh, besides the goal I wanted to talk about? No. So uh, Michael Bunting with a nice one here to seal it off at seven for the night for his 23rd of the season. So uh, Michael Bunting hits 23 goals. So we talked about him, oh, I want to say about a month and a half ago, about uh, how many goals we wanted him to get to make sure that his contract was nice to renew. Uh, 23 is a little higher than I was hoping. It's great. It's great and all. I love it. But like I said, he can score all he wants in the playoffs in the regular season. Let's let's keep things <laughs> a little uh, affordable. What do you think of this? Just to touch on it quick. I, I still like it. He's had such an up and down year. Um, I, I really think it would be a hard contract to negotiate because you're still talking about a draft pick from 2014, like almost 10 years ago. Oh, I, and, and I he's get only it, got 183 but... games played. Right. So like, I still like someone's going to give him 4 million. If we don't. Oh, Edmonton's already got the contract wrote up. Um, God. But it's it's really in line with what he did last year. Just half the, almost half the assists. But when you're not playing on the same line as Marner and Matthews the entire season, pretty much like he did last year, you're going to well, lose some Matthews of those half the goals assists, he right? had. Matthews has almost half the goals he had last year, and that was basically all of his assists. Yep. I... I'm still okay if they re-sign him, just as long as it's not anything astronomical. Like I don't, to me, I wouldn't give him the Hyman contract. Well, I think it comes down to who do you lose to keep him, right? Like, let me pull up Kerfoot for a Who else are we losing? Um, so, so our UFAs are Kerfoot, O'Reilly, Camp, Fachari, Bunting, Simmons, Austin Reese on forward. And then uh, Hall, Shen, and Gustafson. So we do and have Samsonov. Yeah, we well, he's an RFA though. Thank God. Um, we do have money going out, so it's so tough to say. There's potential talk of the players enacting and the ability to artificially inflate the cap too if the money's not there. Now, it wouldn't be anything astronomical, but it would be a little bit extra to kind of help out. So we don't really even know what the cap number is going to be. That's true. Between the guys that you've got that are coming up from the Marlies next year, hopefully, um, the guys you're losing, assuming, uh, probably Wayne Simmons, most likely Zach Aston Reese. I don't see them keeping Ryan O'Reilly. We'll see. I hope so, but I would love I it if he pulled a Geo. Yeah, if he just if he's he not going to, discount, but if he did, that'd be amazing. I don't see him doing it at thirty two, turning thirty three. Um, I think it works. Like with the the bit that the cap's going up, I, I think you could do it. It's just I don't want to see them give him like four and a half million. Like if he takes three and a half for term, I was but, just gonna say Kerfoot. Yeah, like if he takes a Kerfoot deal, you know, then. You hate it in like five or six years, maybe, but right now you're fine. And I don't think you do hate it if the cap is, you know, catching up to what we've lost. 
and in five or six years, technically number. the cap should be like ten million dollars higher than it is. So three and a half pocket change at that point. At that point, yeah. Herkidok. So that closes the game off. Um, one that doesn't mean too too much. I mean, it, it gets the Leafs that much closer to clinching home ice, and the Canadians that much closer to uh, getting Connor Bedard. <laughs> the Am I not mistaken? The Leafs already clinched home ice. Oh, did they? As I'm just looking here. Oh, yeah. I thought they've, it... they've got a game in hand and they're nine points up on the Lightning. Oh, shit. Yeah, because I guess the Lightning lost their last two games. Including tonight to the Senators. Yeah. What was the final score there? I was just catching um... that every now and then. It's like 5-3 last I saw or 6-3. 7-4. Who was Brian Elliott playing? It shows Elliott with the loss. So I'm assuming he was in the entire game. I'm just pulling up the game score right now. Yeah, he played the whole game. I mean, talk about a uh, one trick pony over there. Two empty netters. Oh, okay. Well, still. Um, anything else interesting? Boston beats New Jersey. Minnesota beats St. Louis. Yeah, I mean, okay. Let's let's go through the scores. Every single team played today. Let's let's see what happened. Uh, some of these games are obviously not over yet uh, as of recording this. So Islanders but, beat Flyers 4-0. Senators on the Lightning 7-4. Rangers beat the Jackets 4-0. Anything that means something? Uh, coyotes and ducks in OT that sucks for both teams that are not trying to get points <laughs> Jets beat the Predators 2 nothing. that has heavy implications yeah. on the western playoff race Panthers beating the Caps um, Stars beat the Golden Knights or wait Stars in the Central that doesn't mean much um, or at least to the Golden Knights doesn't mean much uh, ooh, Oilers destroyed the Sabres oh boy and currently the Canucks are up 2-0 on the Flames. Man, what happened to them? The Flames in Winnipeg fighting for the same playoff spot should not be going on right now. Uh, if I'm being completely honest, I think the team gave up on Sutter. Yeah. I mean, that's there's that, and there's also they tried to put together a new team really quick. It's like when the main cast of a show leave, and you know, it takes a while to get used to the new main characters. Yeah, um, I still think Trey Living did the best he could with the situation he was dealt because there was no way Kachuk was coming back. Oh, no. So he had to do something, and he actually, like, considering he got Uyghur and Huberdeau for Kachuk, that's that's a pretty good return. I know there was other, oh, no. other things involved, but still. I think it'll work out in the future. I just think right now it's just uh, unfortunate after how last season went for them. Yep. So, um, yarn croak was out hurt tonight. Is this day to day? Do we know? I didn't see any details on that. The, from what I gathered from Keith, like if it was playoffs, he'd be playing, but he didn't really feel hundred percent comfortable. So got it. It's pretty much load management at this point. Speaking of load management, uh, with only a handful of games left three, do you, Rest anybody. Marner's sitting at 98 slash potentially 99 points. Do you rest any of them? The way I look at it is 
if they want to rest, sure. Like if any if, if any of them has anything nagging that they or don't feel a hundred percent or comfortable, like Keith was talking about Yarn Croak today, let them sit. Because none of these games mean anything to us. And at this point, why not play a little bit of mind games with Tampa? Because I believe they're one of our games coming up. They're the second last game, yeah. Yeah. So at that point, play some mind games. So they're not going to see your game one roster, right? So that actually wraps in Scott's question from Discord here. So will Austin Matthews be rested for two games or just one? And second part, would you play Tampa like it's a playoff game or just take it easy and not show them any planned playoff lines or combinations? So I'd say I'm going to agree with you and lean to the second one there and say uh, just do something completely stupid that night. So if I had to guess, Matthews plays against the Panthers. Sits against the Lightning, because it's a back-to-back anyways. And they're annoyingly physical. Yep. And he plays and against... try to break his hand. Plays the final game of the season against the Rangers on Broadway. That, that'd be my guess, especially if he isn't at 40 goals yet. Yeah, I would say they're, they're probably going to play him against the Rangers. I think the Lightning is the game you rest everybody, just because they're going to be looking to hurt someone so that they're not on their game next week. Like, that's... <laughs> Just the way that they're going to be coming at this. They're not on their game right now. They're mm-hmm. not at 100%. They're missing a ton of players like we touched on. Um, sounds like Tanner Janot is going to be okay in I, the I long run. I was going to say as, that, yeah. From what I've heard, it doesn't sound like it's as bad as it looks. Yeah. Um, he's probably not playing in the first round, um, but he will, in fact, play hockey again, which is great. That's exactly what we wanted. <laughs> He's he's going to be okay. It's not as bad as it looks, and he's out for the first round, hopefully. <laughs> so he's done for the season. Oh, we can hope so. <laughs> oh, man. So um, anything? Oh, yeah. So this was the last Hockey Night in Canada this season. Thank God. <laughs> Do we still have to put up with BXA for playoffs? Oh, I don't know. Who's doing playoffs this year? Do we know? Mm, I'm not 100% sure, no. Not up here anyways. They'll probably change some rule and it'll be blacked out for all of us. Okay, so some questions from the Twitterverse here. Um, Joe Shedler asks, Sammy looked good after the scare. Do we hear any more on this? I think they will try to avoid questions on this and say that, you know, he he thought something happened, but he's, he's okay kind of deal. I th- yeah, I think they play it off as if it's nothing. And the beauty of it is, with Sammy's broken English, they'll probably ask him and he'll probably answer, but his answer won't give us a damn thing. <laughs> Which is going to be perfect, because then you can't... Well, you asked him and he answered. What do you want us to say, right? Well, I, uh, you know, I move and my leg uh, go and I talk to the trainer and I uh, stay in the game. We got wins, so smiles. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, man. Uh, My Reflection asks, uh, how do you think the new kid looked in net tonight? I think he looked nervous as shit. He didn't face a shot, though, did he? I don't think so. No, he didn't face a shot. There was a couple face-offs in the end, but he didn't face a shot. So this is what every hockey fan dreams of. The chance to play one shift or one minute in the NHL, right? Like, we've seen this happen, this kind of thing happen a lot. And... Even earlier this year, I believe Edmonton did it. I think 
from what we heard, McDavid initiated it, talking to Woodcroft, like, hey, we're up a lot. We get a face-off down, you know, with a minute or a couple minutes left, let's throw the kid in. So, so if you missed it, with one minute left tonight, the Leafs threw in uh, Jet Alexander as they were up 7-1 in a meaningless game against the Canadians with a minute and a third. Yeah, so it it's, it's a nice gesture. The kid's been there, been our backup before. <clears throat> Excuse me, he's been at practices before. We've seen different Toronto media people bring up like, oh, Jet Alexander, U of T goalie, is here at practice today as... Campbell got rest or Freddie got rest or whoever, right? Um, so I think it was really, really cool of Keith and the boys to do that. And as silly as it sounds, that's the good karma shit that you never see involve the Leafs. No, we never have some kid come in like and get to play at the end. Like this doesn't happen. The last time he was here, he got to sit on the bench you know, if anyone comes in, it's always there's some expectation for them and they're they don't like the media just turns it into a whole thing. Like nobody comes out of nowhere and just gets a moment. And it, it was it was nice to give the kid the spotlight. He looked terrified though when he, had, he took the ice in the last minute there. They got a close up on him and he was like, Okay, okay, there's a lot of people in here. <laughs> yeah, before he was setting up for that first face off, he kept like looking down at his skate. Okay, yeah, no, I'm in the right position. I'm I'm good, my ankles are good. Yeah, let's go. It's got to look so crazy, like standing in that net, looking up and seeing all that. Like, oh man, I can't imagine. Cannot. Um, show next question. Run it back forever. Trademark at TML Fan and Van. We know who that is. Uh, is John Tavares good? No, he's. Didn't you catch the memo? He's washed. No, he's not good. <laughs> No, he's still he good. He gets all dude. his goals in front of the net. Hey, you know who? Lazy. You know who else did that? Phil JBR. Esposito, and you know where he okay, is? Him too. The fucking Hall of Fame. Um. Yeah, he's great, and he's been the king of the power play this year. It's fantastic. So Joe Diamond asks: Are the Leafs signing Nyes? And if so, where does he play? So some complications to this with some guys going down with injury and the Leafs having no LTIR space. Speaking so, of knives. Yeah, Friedman mentioned, though, on the 32 Thoughts podcast uh, intermission there that because of the injuries to Yarn, Croak, and Murray and the Leafs not being able to use LTIR right now, Nyes would not be able to join the team until game one. Because they have no space. You're making a face. Say oh, I was, I was, no, so, so, sorry. I was just looking at uh, looking at Cap Friendly here. Um, this is why they had to sign uh, Jet Alexander to a PTO and put him in tonight. Yeah, there's. I, I read a couple threads online earlier. I think I don't know if it was today or yesterday. There is ways to kind of finagle it around a little bit. Whether it's because uh, I'm just sorry, just trying to read it here. Like Simmons is up on an emergency loan technically right now. Um, well, that's like what Fridge was saying. He's like, I've heard they're going to sign him. I don't know how, but, you know, they'll make the money work. Yeah. Somehow or another, they'll they'll find a way. Um, 
And speaking of knives, they it went to OT and Cunipiac won. Oh shit! Yeah, so Cunipiac defeats Minnesota three two in overtime. So Nice is now available. He is. I mean, so, I, that sucks for them. I'm so sorry. I know they've fought hard to get here, but uh, this is what we've been waiting for. Yep. And uh, to me, I still would like to see them be able to sign him and bring him in. You know, that game we were talking about against Tampa, throw him into the fire. Yeah, so he knows what he's going to be up against. Right, have a couple of the big guys sit so that he can get some legitimate ice time because you don't want a player like him to be playing fourth line minutes. You want him to be playing top six minutes because that's where he needs to play. Yeah, and what a great time to do it with Yarncroke. Uh, maybe still resting, and if you want to give Matthews the night off, like throw him in there. It'll be fun. It'll yeah. be fun. Why not? Try it out. Try it out. <laughs> <laughs> well so I'm just trying to think here what's the day's requirement for LTIR I can't remember is it like 20 um, days 10 games or something like that I think it's 25 days or 10 games um, 22 yeah so not quite enough I was trying to think back to the Red Wings Leafs game when Murray got hurt so if they could be like that retroactive thing, right? Yeah. Doesn't seem like it. Last question here comes from Mikey D. What are you guys wearing at the parade? Waiting for it to happen first. I'm not putting the cart before the horse. You know what? That's a that's a good point. I was not only going to put the cart before the horse, but I was going to say I'm going to wear something that has not even arrived yet. So <laughs> that's that's putting two carts before two horses. And I just shouldn't do that. That's not good. It is. Did you hear who um, was the rumored e-bug for Montreal? Should Montembeau go down because they had no backup? No, I didn't. So just like Cujo wandering the halls the other night, Carey Price struck up some rumors as he was wandering around with his gear and mentioned that... uh, you know, should he get the call tonight? Apparently he was going to take the net. To me, not that Montreal is in a position that it really matters, like they're not pulling a Tampa, but to me that would strike so many red flags for the league. If he is not healthy enough to play all season and to be on oh, injured true. reserve all season, Holy but shit. he's healthy enough to be an e-bug. Oh my God, that's true. He's been practicing with them, I guess. Yeah, I, yet again, but I think it, it doesn't matter. They're not in the playoffs. So it's not circumvention or anything like that. But that would be the type of thing. Oh, hey, Montreal did that. So that's all we have to do. Yeah, just bring them back in on an emergency loan basis. Yeah. It's like, well, he's not good enough to come back on full time yet. Oh, God. <laughs> yeah, no, you're right. That would open up a can of worms. Holy Okay, last thing I want to do before we head out is uh, steal something from another show. Isn't that fun? So (laughs) of these uh, teams that are in the bottom here going uh, tank hard for Bedard, just a reminder, uh, the bottom is Columbus, Chicago, Anaheim, San Jose, and Montreal. Then you've got uh, Arizona, 
Arizona's not even in the bottom five. That sucks for them. Uh, so who do you think gets Bedard and who do you think is not in this position next year regardless? Um, Sorry, and not who do you think gets Bedard because that's a, a random thing. Who do you want to see get Bedard? As much as they're a dumpster fire and they don't deserve him, I would love for Vancouver to get Bedard because he's a hometown boy. But they're the chances of that twenty fourth of thirty two, it's a little tough. It it's doable, but it's it's next to impossible. Like the the chances are so slim. If we had to go for the teams that are in the bottom five, my dear God, don't let it be Montreal. It can't be because Montreal is my pick for. They're going to be fine, man. They've got a lot of guys that uh, if their team's healthy and, you know, these guys get another year and San Luis has been looking good, man. I, I just I'm worried about uh, the Atlantic division. Yeah, they to me, they can't like if it can't be Vancouver, I would really love to see him go to San Jose. I was just going to say San Jose because they're at like the end of their era and they're kind of like throwing their arms up like oh shit we don't have a plan now like there's so many contracts that have been eating up us planning ahead that uh, they seem to be in a bit of a bind whereas I think Anaheim is going to be fine they've got a lot of young talent there Chicago um, they're Chicago selling... doesn't deserve him as much no. as as much as they're an original six team a friend of the family used to play for them in the 60s like I have a lot of love for the Blackhawks with the shit that has come out over that team over the last little while, they do not deserve to pick in the top no. five, let alone to get Bedard. And they're going to be fine with all the picks they've gotten from selling the entire team. And Columbus, you got Gaudreau in line eight. They'll be okay. They've also got a lot of picks from the last couple of years that will uh, hit. So I think San Jose needs him the most. So I hope they get him. Well, I agree. San Jose, like that market... It, it's not been an, they've got good fans, but it's not been an easy place to continuously hold a team. And I know it's not a traditional hockey market. And 20 years from now, you might have someone on a podcast saying the same thing about Arizona that I'm saying about San Jose right now. Chances are slim, but they might. Um, They're still going to be talking about Arizona. Well, yeah. And if they had podcasts 20 years ago, they might have been saying the same thing about San Jose that we say about Arizona. Like, They've pushed through and they've made it work. They've had a lot of good players come through that that city and that organization. And they have one of the best jerseys in the league. Like I've always liked the Shark one. Agreed. Our generation will always love the Shark jersey. Um, they deserve to have something go their way. Yeah, and I think the whole like L.A., Anaheim San Jose rivalry would be interesting if you throw Bedard in the mix, like having Zegris on Anaheim and, you know, LA's got, uh, you know, whoever they've got. They're always in a, <laughs> they're always in like a weird middle of the pack, like, oh shit, they made the playoffs and they're really good. And then the same team the next year will be bad. Like, look, it seems keep, like they make one minor tweak and it just changes everything for them. They've got a lot of young kids who just haven't really made that massive step coming up like they've got Turcotte they've got Byfield they've got yeah I was gonna Kaliev. say Byfield has been still hanging um, around Brant Clark has just been amazing the past couple years he's gonna come up and he's just gonna be a, a jolt of adrenaline right to the veins of that team 
But LA is competitive. I mean, they're doing fine right now. So I think to to pull San Jose up, and I think Anaheim will be okay too. It, it makes for good hockey out there in California where they could use it. Yep. So second question here, uh, who do you think of these bottom feeder teams? And we can extend this into like, you know, all the way up to, I mean, whoever didn't make the playoffs or is not in the wild card race at all. We'll cut it off at like Nashville. Um, starting with Buffalo in 20th place. Who do you, uh, who do you think is not going to be in this bottom 12 next year? Well, if you're bringing the cut line up that high, I'm definitely going Buffalo. I had them making the playoffs this year. Okay, then let's cut <laughs> Buffalo and Ottawa out of it. So if you go 25th and down, stop it at Washington. Okay, fine. Um, that's a tough yeah, one. Yeah, we'll say the ones. How about we'll say the ones that are under 500? Van- we'll include Vancouver. If they don't get Bedard, I don't think Vancouver's going anywhere. I know they had a lot of injuries, but man, they've been a weird organization over the last couple of years. No kidding. I, I could really see Anaheim or Columbus making a big jump and surprising a lot of people. Columbus has had a ton of injuries. They've had they've lost Wierenski for most of the year. Corpus Allo and Merzlikens were hurt a lot. Like they could surprise a lot of people. Goudreau will have been there for a full season, you know, get acclimated. Well, they ended the up city. trading Corpus Allo. No, I know, but like, he, yeah, they, if they were in a better position, they might not have. Right. Um, and then Anaheim with the prospect pool that they have, if Gibson can still at least be remotely close to what he's been over the course of his career, they could very easily be in a different position too. Yeah, I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if Anaheim is a move or two away from being the New Jersey of next year, where everyone's like, oh shit, they're here now. Like, yeah. we, we've been watching this team draft people and slowly accumulate pieces, and uh, I think it's a few established guys away f- and a goaltender, because Gibson has not been good. They're at a minus 125 goal differential this year. Columbus at 113. That's awful. Bruins, and, by the way, at a plus 112 <laughs> or and like 122. I, I don't want to throw a lot of pressure on the kids, but a Bedard or even an Adam Fantilli, like Fantilli just won the Hobie, Hobie Baker. That kid is impressive. He could be a ridiculous game changer for any of these teams coming in next year. Yeah, I think any of the, uh, the top five are going to be like a uh, franchise altering players for a lot of these teams. Um, it's, it's going to be really, I just think that it's going to take, you know, they brought in who was a Thomas Tatar and uh, a couple other guys, in New Jersey that this year that have kind of been that, that more established veteran presence. And I think that's kind of what Anaheim has lost with, you know, some retirements and some guys leaving. So, they got a ton of cap space. I think they just got to make some signings after this draft and maybe move some of their lower um, picks that they've got. And uh, I think they'll be a good team next year. Montreal too, man. I'm scared of them. Really? I'm the, dude. The Atlantic Division next year is going to be like an actual war zone. Like I, I don't know. Why are you afraid of the Canadians? Aside from Suzuki and Caulfield, like. Well, like I was saying, I mean defensive side Matheson has been this breakout star this year and if he's only going to get better a couple other young defensemen they've got like they've got other okay 
Can you, there's a ton of people injured, too. Cam friendly injuries. Yeah, because they've got, uh, what am I talking about? Slavkovsky and Jack Eye and Caulfield are all hurt. And Sean Monahan. Okay, Monahan's probably not going to resign there. Oh, yeah, he's at UFA. Paul Byron, too. Yeah. So, like, Savard's getting up there. That con- At 3-5, it's not bad, but that contract's not looking the greatest. They have Edmondson and Matheson, one D pair. Who's going to play net for him? Like, you have Allen signed and Montembeau signed, but mm. this year, neither of them have been great. I mean, between, like, Gooley, Matheson, and Jack Eye on defense, um, putting Caulfield and Slavkovsky and Suzuki and Gallagher and Anderson, and they've got Christian Dvorak and Kirby Doc. Like, I think, like, there's something there. They're not going to be bad. Not going to be this bad. That's what a lot of people said about them this year was they're not going to be bad. They do need a goalie, though. I think it's still going to be uh, them in Detroit in the bottom of the Atlantic, but it's not going to, they're still going to be far ahead of uh, a ton of other teams. Like, I don't know who's going to be in the playoffs next year in the Atlantic. Like, it's going to be nuts. Florida's probably going to reclaim their spot of, you know, third place. I think Tampa might uh, have to fight for something. We'll see. It, it'd be interesting to see, like, because Tampa this year, it does appear that they've taken a step back. And, like, nobody's giving it enough credit, but you take a player like Ryan McDonough out of the lineup, and that's a huge loss. Oh, yeah. Completely changes their defense core. So you might be right. They might have to fight a little harder to try to keep that third or a wild card spot. Because you got Buffalo and Ottawa coming up behind you really quickly. Like, both of those teams are going to be dangerous next year. Ottawa lost Cam Talbot for, like, 80% of the season. I was just going to say, if they... A ton of their success was riding on. Yeah. If they had a goalie this year and not seven... um, Yeah. Then they probably could have made a lot of noise. Even Buffalo. They were there. They had a very decent shot at making the playoffs. And then they just went for a shitter. Yeah, they were so good at the beginning of the season. All we were hearing about was Tage Thompson this, Tage Thompson that, and then it was, He was the next Mario Lemieux. Yep, bye-bye. See you guys. See you next year. Um, The other uh, interesting one, though, I don't know what the hell Detroit's doing. (laughs) I I was thinking this a little while ago, but then on the other hand, I have so much faith in Iserman as a general manager. Oh, don't get me wrong. Iserman is great, but they're just in such an awkward spot. Like they're they're not the worst. They're ahead of Vancouver, but you know, they're sitting in 23rd place. That's such an awkward draft pick to get. They don't have anybody that's, you know, like Dylan Larkin can't be the only person on that team. You got so one of their young kids came over, he played the game against Toronto and then broke his kneecap. Um, Marco Marco Casper. Oh, Casper, right. He played like 50 minutes with a fractured kneecap against the Leafs Jesus. in that Murray game. Um, they're kind of 
similar to the Canadians in a sense that they have a lot of young pieces, just nobody's really played up the expectations to this point. Um, yeah, it, they're, they're kind of up in the air. I think they're still quite a few pieces away. I don't think they're making the playoffs next year. No, me neither, which is crazy to say about Detroit. Uh, the majority thing, of when... our lives they've been in the playoffs. So it's absolutely oh, yeah. mind blowing. The fact that they're going to miss for more than one year. Uh, last thing, interesting stat. They said on the broadcast, we were talking about how many goldies, uh, Ottawa's had the Leafs have dressed the most skaters this year at 45. <laughs> I could see that. I mean, between the cap juggling and the defensive injuries, the forward injuries, the goalie injuries, like I, yeah, I mean, there was that whole stretch we we kind of forget through October, November, December. We're missing a lot of people. <laughs> we had there was a while there. Our defense core was basically like Justin Hall and the University of Toronto. Like we lost Riley, <laughs> we lost Geo, we lost Brody. Like Lily was down, Sandine was down. Not to mention the trades that we did too. Mete right? was Victor Mete was like a playing and then got hurt. Oh, we had yeah. Jordy Ben get hurt. Like even the guys that were supposed to be seventh were out. Like, oh man, we had Mac Hollowell come up and play games for us. Carl Dahlstrom played, mm, didn't he? No, I think he was hurt to start of the season. Oh, you're right. He was on the season opening LTIR. Yeah. Who was it then that came up? There was it wasn't. Just Hollowell. There was another one that uh, Hollowell came up. I'm um, just uh, Philip Crawl came up. Yeah, Philip Jordy Ben. We had Shalgren play. We had Wall play. Petrozelli backed up. Oh man! I think SDA made his NHL debut yep. this year. Holmberg, Steves, Zorana, Nikki Alphabets. Oh my god. <laughs> Malgan, Hunt, and Zahorna have all dressed for the Leafs this year. We had Abe Kubel, we had Godet. McMahon, Robertson. Oh my god. <laughs> Bobby McMahon too. <laughs> yeah, the Leafs have had a shit ton of players this year. They have. That's nuts. Didn't Clifford dress for a game this year too? Yeah. Here. Are we forgetting anybody? Leafs? I, I'm actually bringing up the, the team page right now. I've got to see okay. this. Who has played games? Alex Steves. Yeah, we said Steves. SDA, Zahorna, Clifford played. Jake Muzzin. Jake Muzzin played four games this year. He actually year. played I totally this year. forgot. So did I. I totally forgot about that. We're he horrible dressed- people. <laughs> oh my god, I'm I'm sorry, Jake. Sorry, you deserve better than that from us, Jake. Victor Mete played in 11 games? Yeah. What? That's as many as Luke Shen has played in. Mm-hmm. I d- uh, that's insane. I, I do not remember this guy dressing for more than like two. Yeah, SDA, Clifford, Crawl, Nikki Alphabet, Sorana, Steve's Muzzin, uh, all these ones we've said, Dryden Hunt... Joey Anderson. Joey Anderson. Fuck. <laughs> you played 14 games. <laughs> yeah. We've had 41 skaters dressed, not including goalies. 
That is wild. I cannot believe... Like, some of these names, the amount of games that they've played is, like, mind-boggling. Yeah, and then we've had... Well, with uh, Jed Alexander, we've now had five goalies actually okay, get with, onto the ice. Don't look at it. How many games has Pontus Holmberg played this year? Holmberg? If I had to take a stab, I would say, I want to say 23. That was the first number that popped into my head. 37. Hmm? <clears throat> Are you joking? Like this, this, I'm sorry. This is like the thing that's blown my mind the most this week is like just looking back on the season and like, like Pontus Holmberg played in almost half of the games this year. Yeah, that's crazy. I do not remember him that much. That is. And for all of that time, his average time on ice was 10 minutes, 25 seconds. Here, okay, let's do a quick, well, I've got the Leafs stats open. Um, who do you think averages the most time on ice per game? Averages? Yeah. Um, first two names that pop in my head are Marner and Hall. Okay. The answer is, uh, number two is Mitch Marner. Was that three, four, f- number five is Justin Hall. As much as I hate saying Hall, I know Keith absolutely fucking loves him. Um, ju- at a whole 40, no, it's at 32 seconds more than Mitch Marner a night. Morgan Riley, 21-51. Mm, I would, didn't think of him because he missed so many games, but that makes sense. Yeah, he only missed, uh, he's played 62 games this year. He's played more than TJ Brody. Which is baffling because it felt like he was gone for the season. Ever. <laughs> ever also i thought matthews missed so many more games than he did this year uh, so yeah top five morgan riley at 2151 then marner um and tj brody at just over 21 and then matthews and hall at 20 and change who last one who do you think has the highest shooting percentage <laughs> highest shooting percentage zaharna Through 37 games, Pontus Holmberg at 18.5%. <laughs> How many shots did Zahorna get? Zahorna uh, shots on goal six in two games. Oh. For a 16.7%. He is tied with Dryden Hunt and Ryan O'Reilly. <laughs> wow. So, uh, yeah, Pont- Pontus Holmberg with 27 shots on goal, five goals. Second at 18.3 is Kelly Yarncroke with 19 goals on 104 shots. That dude has been a sniper this year. Are you using the wish stats again? Or Oh, fuck. I'm using CBS. <laughs> so you are. Sorry, I just had the NHL page brought up here. Pontus Holmberg's at 18.5. Now he's still leading the team, but 18.5. And Yarncroke's at 18.3, according to NHL.com. Yeah, yeah I'm on NHL.com now. <laughs> Johnny using the the wish stats for the season. I, I, it's always they, they like have Connor McMichael leading the league, not Connor McDavid. Uh, made by fanatics. <laughs> <laughs> okay, it's been fun. 
Um, I'll come up with some more as we uh, we keep getting to the end of the year here. I'll ask you some some questions about uh, guess how many and guess who did this. So a quick shout out before we go to Dennis Hildeby, goaltending prospect for the Leafs, made his North American debut, and the Toronto Marlies did nothing to help him. <laughs> 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 Stopped 37 of 42 shots in his first game as the Marlies lost 5 nothing to Utica. But from every, everything I've read, I didn't get a chance to watch the game, but he did look sharp, um, especially coming over playing on the smaller surface for the first time in a, in a regular season game. So Marlies are kind of in a little bit of a slump right now, but they've been secured in a playoff spot for a while, so hopefully they can snap out of it. Also got a shout out to um, Daryl Sittler, who um, was in charge of collecting the funds for, or I guess handing over the funds for the Boris Salming shoulder patch, passed off the check to the ALS Action Canada uh, representative today for $558,891.12. So bravo, and thank you to everybody who bought those. That is awesome, and supporting a great cause. Also another shout out to uh, Joey Ferguson for donating um he oh, designed yeah. up that bore shirt and donates proceeds from every sale of those shirts still to this day if you buy one to als oh those are still available sick oh yeah Go well, check them out. i haven't seen i haven't looked up his new site but i know they were for the longest time and uh last thing we got a shout out uh it looks like steph is going to be eating vegemite in the next episode because the ottawa 67s have eliminated the oshawa generals in five games to nobody's surprise and uh, getting down to crunch time, coming up to playoffs, I want to hear what uh, some people's ideas of some fun bets we can do between the pod group. Here, yeah, I've already given this... my wife a heads up, um, just in case. Like, I she asked what type of bets we could be doing, and I said I don't know something like ridiculous, like go full '90s boy band with frosted tips or something silly. <laughs> Okay, I would do frosted tips for a bet. Also, uh, this whole Vegemite bet, like anybody who loses has to eat Vegemite on the pod, is going to be fun, especially if uh, somebody finds that they really don't like it and it becomes uh, someone who loses a lot. I think that would be fun. Like that cinnamon challenge from a couple years ago? Yeah. So let's do that. Send us some fun bets we can make and uh, we'll get into it. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next time. Only slate night. Love you, Marty. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Leafs Late Night, your night of post-game podcast. Available after every game on YouTube, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Audible, and more. Don't be so pissy.